some things shouldn't be transparent, like stop signs. But what you pay for should always be clear, like Hiller's true transparency pricing, always clearly itemized and never any hidden fees. Because you have the right to know what you're paying for. For more information, visit happyhiller.com slash true transparency pricing. Happy you'll be of the services free. Call the Happy Face Truck today. Talk continues with a look at Nashville's teams and at news around the nation from the lead writer of 1045thezone.com. This is the Big Six. The Big Six with Jason Martin, presented by Renters Warehouse. And here we go. What's up, everybody? Welcome into the Big Six. It's 1045 The Zone. It's Friday night. Glad to have you with us as you start your weekend here on The Zone. My name is Will Bowling, sitting in for Jason Martin tonight. Wish him the best. Congratulate him on a new marriage, a new beginning for him. He always does a fantastic job in this hour. And I'll be with you filling in for him from 6 to 7 tonight as we get you ready for your weekend. Coming up in a couple of minutes, we'll talk with the guru, High school football in the state of Tennessee. Murphy Fair will be my guest. We'll talk to him about some of the big games coming up tonight in the Middle Tennessee area. Also, we're going to talk to Rhett Bryan of Titans Radio. He'll join me around 6.30 to preview the Titans matchup this Sunday. You can hear it here on 104.5 The Zone with the Atlanta Falcons. We're going to talk some Tennessee. We're going to talk some Titans and Vols. Say Tennessee means a, a couple of different things, but... First, just want to express my gratitude. I'm thankful to be sitting in this chair and thankful to be talking to you on a Friday night on a station that I've grown up loving, I've grown up listening. I'm a Nashville native from right here in Brentwood and have been listening to this station as the first thing in my preset since uh, I was riding around with my dad going to school on uh, any morning. And it's uh, it's certainly a wonderful opportunity that I'm grateful for and grateful for to you as well for listening in with us as you start your weekend with some sports talk here on 104.5 The Zone. So for Tennessee fans this weekend, for the Tennessee fan that is both a Vols and Titans fan, all right, you're going one for two. Saturday is going to be laundry day, okay? it's I think a lot of Tennessee fans are excited about the opportunity to spend their Saturdays uh, a bit more joyfully to put it uh, lightly, than what they've had to witness over the first couple of weeks in this football season. And I want to take our, our first kind of topic here today to look at how similar the Titans and Vols look through the first few weeks of the 2019 season, right? Second-year head coaches that are defensive-minded guys looking to replicate success from the gold standard. Jeremy Pruitt, of course, from the Nick Saban coaching tree. Mike Vrabel, wanting to do things like his old boss, Bill Belichick. But in professional and college football, imitation has not been the most sincere form of victory. I mean, Nick Saban is 17-0 against his old friends, the likes of Will Muschamp, Derek Dooley, Kirby Smart even. 
flip over to the Bill Belichick coaching tree, and not a single Bill Belichick assistant has a record over 500 as a head coach. Mike Vrabel actually right at 500. He's the uh, the best one right now. So it's tough to imitate. It's tough to replicate the successes of two of the greatest minds in the history of this sport. But right now, if you're a Tennessee fan, if you're a Titans fan, you're tired of dealing with the quote-unquote same old balls, the same old Titans, right? It's an it's a tired narrative for both of these programs, this franchise and this program right now. Because the narrative around the Titans nationally is a Patriot lookalike that struggles consistently winning games week in and week out. You saw it when Ryan Suckup hit a frozen brick 50 yards to beat Kansas City. And then the Titans turned around on Christmas Eve and lost to Jacksonville. It lost hopes of a postseason berth a couple of seasons ago. You saw it going from week one to week two when the Titans looked like one of the best teams in the AFC, especially the AFC South against Cleveland. Then they turn around and have a quote-unquote classic Titans performance against Indianapolis, a team that they cannot figure out how to beat. Flip it over to Knoxville and just insert the Florida Gators where you would insert Indianapolis Colts for the Titans, right? I mean, it's a Tennessee team that can't get out of its own way. And and it's a team that's not good enough at the quarterback position or at really any position in order to make the mistakes it made in the swamp on Saturday. That's the biggest similarity right now. When you look at comparing these two teams, Tennessee, Vols or Titans, are not good enough at the quarterback position to play itself and the opponent. I think Marcus Mariota is good enough for the Tennessee Titans to be good. But when you market yourself as a program, as a franchise going good to great, you shrink the margin for error. In fact, you you pretty much eliminate it. Right now, the Tennessee Titans are not good enough to muff punts, to have pass interference penalties on crucial third downs like they did against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Right, They're not good enough, uh, a Tennessee team, to throw an interception on the two-yard line that falls in and out of the hands of your best receiver and the alpha that's supposed to be leading your football team in Jawan Jennings. Tennessee's not good enough to have a Nick Saban-like approach to playing Georgia State and treating it like a second orange and white game, only to have your defense run over, your quarterback fumble the football on a crucial drive, and see a Georgia State team that has no history, has no prestige as a program, come into your house and beat your team. So it begs the question. And and I'll tell you what, it is a broad question. It's a tough one that doesn't have one answer. How do you change a culture that finds ways to win versus finding ways to lose? There's talent wearing two-tone blue in Tennessee orange. I mean, Tennessee's got a freshman running back in Eric Gray who's as good of a freshman running back as they've had there in a really long time. And they had a darn good one in Jalen Hurd, who would have been the school's all-time leading rusher if he'd finished his career with Butch Jones at Tennessee instead of going to Baylor to play wide receiver. 
It's a Tennessee team right now that's got more talent on the field than they've had since the Vols were on the doorstep of a Sugar Bowl berth before they lost to Vanderbilt. It's a Titans team with an exceptionally good defense, in my opinion. But these are two places in Knoxville and Nashville with closing windows, right? I mean, you you look down the list of who the Titans have to re-sign this offseason, it's incredible. Jack Conklin, Derrick Henry, Marcus Mariota, should they go that route. Logan Ryan. The list goes on and on of competitors and leaders of this football team that is probably going to turn over a lot. You know, I was talking with Rhett Bryan, who's going to join us later in the show, that the normal turnover rate for NFL teams, about 30%. Titans are going to be closer to 40, right? The way the salary cap works, you're going to have to go cheap at a couple positions. Deion Lewis, another name the Titans are going to have to make a big business decision on coming up soon. And then you go up to Knoxville, and, and the window is closing on Jeremy Pruitt because of the way he finished last season and the way this year started. Jeremy Pruitt's not going to be fired unless he loses to UAB and goes 1-11 this year. But I tell you what, he has made things awfully difficult on himself going into year three at the helm in Knoxville. There are closing windows everywhere for two defensive coaches that are learning how to be head coaches on the job to figure things out and change a same old Titans, same old Vols culture. Of course, it starts at the quarterback position. That's one fix. Marcus Mariota's taken 17 sacks this year. His QBR is 38.2. And he's still averaging seven yards per attempt like he was in his first seasons in the NFL. But the Titans have no margin for error. Marcus Mariota is not going to win you enough games to allow you to muff punts and allow you to give up opportunities in the red zone and not score when you start in Jacksonville and you're inside the 10-yard line on a fourth and goal. Those are chances you have to take right now if you're the Tennessee Titans because your quarterback cannot carry you. Similarly, Jared Garantano is hurting Tennessee as much as he's helping them for the first couple weeks of the season, and that's where the differences begin for Marcus Mariota and Jared Garantano. This is a guy that's lost in Jim Chaney's offense. Said this on my podcast here on 104.5 The Zone Podcast Network, the ultimate Tennessee podcast. This is a guy that's been hit so much, both literally and figuratively, been knocked down so much with different schemes and different programs, different head coaches. I'm not sure he can come back from the losing culture that he has seen established in his time at Tennessee. These are two programs right now that are, are are trying to figure it out with head coaches learning on the job. Of course, the Titans will, will have a chance this weekend to continue to change that narrative. And you can hear it right here on 104.5 The Zone. Titans-Falcons coming up on Sunday. So I'm going to be on the lookout for ways that culture changes, ways Jeremy Pruitt, Mike Vrabel can, can change that narrative and create their own standard, create their own expectations on their own here in the volunteer state. Well, around Middle Tennessee, though, big night here on a Friday. It's high school football time in Tennessee.
Coming up next on the Big Six, we're going to preview high school football around Middle Tennessee with Murphy Fair. But first, let's chat with Tom Duggan of DTC Sports. They're in Smithville tonight as the DeKalb County Tigers host border rival Cannon County in their annual homecoming game. It's a big one tonight, Tom, that you guys got up there at DTC Sports. Man, Will, I'll tell you what, it is a big game. It's it's big for both of these schools. You know, a lot of people may look and say, well, these are two two and three schools here at the midway point of the season. But, you know, a win tonight for either one of these teams, whoever comes out the winner is back to 500. And you're coming down the stretch run, you know, headed toward the playoffs, about to get into some big region games. So you really want to springboard off of that. Then you factor in the fact it's been such a big border rivalry for years and years and years. And in just about every sport these two teams play, man, it gets uh, – it gets heated sometimes. Uh, you know, these, these kids don't know each other so well, but, boy, when they get out there and strap on the pads and everything, they're ready to get after it. And uh, DeKalb County's kind of owned this series over the years, but Cannon County always plays them very, very tough. In fact, if you go back last year, on the field, Cannon County actually won the game. They had 88 plays from scrimmage to only 24 for DeKalb County, so they owned the football the entire night. Unfortunately for Cannon County, they had to forfeit all of their wins after the season as it was learned they had played an ineligible player. And, and it was kind of a clerical thing. It wasn't that they had willingly done it. They found, found out after the fact. So it was kind of sad for those kids because they had won four games last year, and they had not done that in many, many years and beaten DeKalb County. But, uh, of course, now when you look at it officially, DeKalb County's won 11 straight. So you kind of got a chip on both shoulders here. DeKalb County's fired up because they still feel like they lost the game last year, no matter what the official record says. And in Cannon County, they're mad because they had the win taken away from them. So they're both fired up. It should be a good game tonight. Again, the winner gets back to 500, and it's always just one of those knockdown, dragout football games. So it's a good one to watch. And, of course, folks at home, you can watch our game tonight. You can go to www.dtc3.tv. Again, that's DTC, the number three, .tv. And uh, we'll have live call of the game starting at 645. If you're out at another football game, you know, you can pull us up on your mobile device and even watch the game there. You can watch two games at once. And, uh, you know, Will, a lot of homecoming games I've seen around Middle Tennessee tonight. This is going to be one of them. It'll be a great week for football. Absolutely. Tom Duggan of DTC Sports with us. Catch their game, as he said, DTC3.TV. Tom, thanks so much. Hey, Will, thank you very much. I appreciate it. So, Big Six coming at you on a Friday. Glad to have you back with us as we get you ready for the weekend. Congrats on making it to that weekend as we talk to you about some high school football going on in the area. And who better to talk to than Murphy Fair? He joins us to preview tonight's action. Murphy Fair 1045 The Zone presented by Ascend Federal Credit Union, a proud sponsor of the Tennessee Secondary School Athletic Association. To learn more about Ascend, visit ascend.org. Well, Murphy, it's hard to believe we're already into week six of the high school football season. Where will you be tonight uh, enjoying the Friday night action? Well, Will, I'm planning on uh, making a short trip. I'm going to Smithville uh, on Center Hill Lake up there. Uh, DeKalb County High School playing host to Cannon County. Uh, I live in Cannon County and have a little bit of a relationship with the football team here. So 
Uh, I'm going to go support my Lions and, and see how that game turns out. A big rivalry game. Uh, they're not in the same region. They're not even in the same classification. DeKalb County is 4A. Cannon County is 3. But the rivalry goes back decades. And uh, uh, ought to be an interesting game. I'm sure the stands will be packed. And uh, uh, both teams still fighting for a playoff slot in their respective regions. Absolutely. Yeah, well, of course, Week 5, uh, certainly a big one across Middle Tennessee. Uh, the headliner there being Brentwood and Ravenwood with the Bruins getting the win over the Raptors. Now, Brentwood, they've got a heck of a non-conference schedule. Uh, they get CPA now. Uh, CPA coming off a big win last week over BGA. Uh, certainly going to be a big one. And tell you what, I'm impressed with the non-conference slate that Ron Crawford has for his Bruins team, uh, who've already beaten NBA. They've got Knoxville Catholic coming up on the schedule, and they get the Lions tonight. Well, I don't think he had much choice. Nobody wants to play Ron Crawford's team unless uh, they have to. And uh, that was the situation for Ravenwood last week. I was at that ball game and easily one of the best high school football games I believe I had ever seen. Uh, Great defense on both sides of the field. Incredible kickers, both punters and uh, place kickers for both teams. Uh, Both were nailing 50-plus yard field goals before the ball game. And for the most part, both were putting kickoffs beyond the back line of the uh, end zone. It was a it was a fun game. Probably eight thousand people there, I guess, and uh, probably be a good crowd tonight. Probably not quite that large because CPA is not that large a school. But Engel Martin's team started very slow, obviously with thirty-one seniors last year. But I think Coach Crawford had almost that many at Brentwood. But both teams have uh, have improved immensely since August. And, uh, you know, with with Brentwood having won the game, if you want, uh, against Ravenwood last week, it could be, a, could be a little bit of a letdown. And Engel Martin's team has really been getting better and better the last couple of weeks. That win over BGA last week was a bit of an upset, I think, for most prognosticators. And uh, uh, like you say, I think that's going to be a great game. You know, Murphy, one game that surprised me last Friday, I was on the call for a Baylor team that came down to Nashville and rushed for 250 yards and a win over Innsworth, setting up a big matchup, of course, next week, Baylor and McCauley, uh, one of the great all-time rivalries uh, in Tennessee. Uh, but it seems to me like this Division II AAA classification uh, is more open this year maybe than it's been in past years with Brentwood Academy winning the last four uh, in that league. Um, how impressed were you that Baylor was able to, to get that win over Innsworth um, and, boy, that's going to be a fun one coming up next Friday with McCauley, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. And, and certainly I think the addition of Elijah Howard uh, to the running back core at Baylor has made a world of dif- difference. In in my spring uh, uh, questionnaire of coaches, uh, Baylor was picked like sixth or seventh in that particular grouping, uh, but that was before everybody knew that Elijah Howard was leaving Webb and was going to enroll at Baylor and uh, he has certainly spiced up the offensive attack for Baylor. And, and now, all of a sudden, uh, McCauley is not the overwhelming favorite uh, against, uh, against Baylor. And, and I look for that game at Innsworth tonight to be, a, to be a really good football game and a really close football game. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that one as well. Anytime Innsworth and NBA get together and uh, sticking here in D2 AAA, uh, one of the bigger rivalries in this area, NBA goes on the road, gets a win over MUS last week, 
And that's an NBA team that's that's kind of hard to figure out right now. They they lose some games early. They lose to Pearl Cone uh, for the first time in their school's history. Uh, and then they get the win over MUS. Um, what do we know about this NBA team, and do you think they could pull off the upset against the Tigers tonight? Well, first of all, a lot of teams are going to lose to Pearl Cone this year. Mm, absolutely. <laughs> they, are, they are very, very good. And first of all, I take my hat off to – uh, PC coach uh, Tony Brunetti and also Marty Uberard out mm-hmm. at NBA uh, for keeping that game uh, on the schedule. Uh, it's a it's a it's a game that has so many meanings to it. Uh, in inner city, obviously predominantly African American lineup at Pearl Cone, uh, not quite so much at NBA and maybe a little affluence out there, although not as much as I think a lot of people think. Uh, but nonetheless, it's a great opportunity for those whenever those two teams get together. But I think uh, uh, NBA kind of falls into the same category as Brentwood High School and CPA. A lot of seniors on that team last year, and I talked to Coach Uverard last week on another matter, and uh, he's still scratching his head a little bit about that win over MUS. Mm-hmm. MUS, a very good football team, maybe the best uh, Division II team uh, in Shelby County, although Briarcrest uh, may have a little something to say about that later on in the season. But, uh, uh, yeah, I think that will be an interesting one to watch. And both of those teams really need to get a win tonight uh, insofar as seedings are concerned and who gets to play at home and who probably has to make a trip to Memphis, uh, depending on the outcome of that game, come playoff time in November. Murphy Fair is our guest here on the Big Six, previewing high school football matchups in week six tonight around the Middle Tennessee area. Uh, Murphy Blackman goes to Riverdale tonight. Uh, It's a team in Blackman that had, kind of like Brentwood High, such a tough non-conference schedule. I was down there for their game against Ravenwood and left saying, hey, those are two really talented football teams. And despite the 0-3 start, Blackman's won two in a row and now uh, maybe a, a, a 6A home playoff game on the line between Blackman and Riverdale the Blaze have an eight-game win streak over Riverdale, but that should be one of the better matchups of the night, wouldn't you say, in the area? Oh, I would say so. Yes, sir. Uh, and Blackman's record is a little bit deceiving. A couple of those losses, uh, the Ravenwood one and the one to Alcoa, uh, Blackman had opportunities to win both of those football games, uh, but just did not finish in certain situations. But uh, Riverdale's a team that's that's beginning to come on a little bit stronger than a lot of people may have expected also. Uh, and I know Coach Will Kreisky uh, is, is going to have his team very well prepared, given the fact that it's being played on Riverdale turf. Helps a little bit, but those schools are less than five miles apart anyway. So uh, it's one of those backyard brawls, and, and a lot of those kids know each other away from school and, and do things together away from school. So it'll be an interesting matchup, and I would certainly hope uh, there would be a huge crowd at that game as well. Gallatin goes to Wilson Central tonight, and I'll tell you what, I, I don't know if I could find a a bigger, I wouldn't say surprise, but um, a, a better first year than what Chad Watson's been able to build with the Gallatin Green Wave. A 5-0 start, Spencer Briggs, the running back, who's averaging about 200 yards per game, carrying the football right now. And they go to a Wilson Central team that lost last week to Mount Juliet, but has also got a really talented squad, uh, a 5A, 6A matchup that I know a lot of people in that area uh, are going to be watching closely. Yeah, there's no regional standings riding on this one or playoff implications, uh, probably. But uh, the rivalry between these two schools uh, is is pretty strong. And I look for this to be a, 
a very interesting game. Uh, I, I've known those coaches a long time, especially uh, especially the coach at Gallatin High School. What uh, what a great job Coach Watson has done in a in a very short period of time. I remember when he played high school football at Gordonsville, uh, and he was a good player. And obviously, he's a good coach too. Did a great job at Northeast. He's got people in Gallatin excited about football more so than they have been in many, many years. And, uh, you, you know, you can just go to the game and pretend you're, pretend you're in Green Bay and you're watching the Packers play. Because <laughs> That's right. Uniforms look just exactly like Green Bay, too. Well, Murphy, the game I'll be calling tonight, Marshall County visiting Springfield. You can hear that one right here on The Zone, the, the T and High School football game of the week. Uh, sophomore Bryson Hammonds off to a terrific start for Marshall County, throwing for uh, just over 800 yards so far this year. A big matchup in 4A between two teams that have run into East Tennessee powerhouses in the playoffs, uh, of course, with Springfield making the state championship back in 2017 where they lost to Greenville. Marshall County's been in the semifinals three out of the past four years where they've played East Tennessee teams. Um, I, I I think it's safe to say, Murphy, that these might be two of the better 4A teams in the area uh, and maybe in the entire state. Would you agree with that? I think that's a fair statement. I really do. I'm not sure that either one uh, will will make it all the way to Cookville in December, but that could happen. Springfield goes west. Marshall County goes east. Uh, they're in different regions. And this is a great measuring stick. Uh, both of those teams are very good. I saw Marshall County against uh, Tullahoma two or three weeks ago, and the quarterback you referenced uh, is pretty spot on every time he puts the ball in the air, and he's got some kids that can run uh, under those passes for 30- and 40-yard gains. Springfield secondary better be on its toes tonight because Marshall County can throw the football, but they can also run it as well. Springfield a little bit more of a power game. They like to play it between the tackles, but they've got some guys that can run as well. And I think you're going to have a fun time uh, watching that ball game i really do absolutely murphy fair has been our guest we'll enjoy that one tonight murphy fair is always presented by ascend federal credit union a proud sponsor of the tennessee secondary school athletic association to learn more about ascend visit ascend.org murphy enjoy the night of games tonight and we appreciate the time hey always good to talk to you will have a good broadcast okay thank you so much Coming up next, more Titans discussion. Rhett Bryan of Titans Radio will join me in studio, previewing Sunday's matchup with the Falcons and getting you ready for Titans coverage down in Atlanta all weekend. It's coming up next as the Big Six rolls on on 104.5 The Zone. Murphy Fair on 104.5 The Zone, presented by Ascend Federal Credit Union, a proud sponsor of the Tennessee Secondary School Athletic Association. To learn more about Ascend, visit ascend.org. Zup. Friday afternoon, Big Six. Sitting in for Jason Martin, I'm Will Bowling. Glad to have you with us and wherever you're joining us here on 104.5 The Zone. Glad you decided, decided to spend part of your Friday afternoon here with us here on The Zone. Sunday, big matchup for the Tennessee Titans. We talked Vols in our opening segment, touched on some Titans topics as well. I want to continue our discussion on the Titans and here to preview Sunday's matchup in Atlanta with the Falcons from Titans Radio, Rhett Bryan. 
We appreciate the time and uh, coming on and joining us here on a Friday night. Well, glad to do it. Hope we're uh, going to get some folks home in Friday rush hour traffic and uh, do it with some info as we uh, do a little primer here before the Titans and Falcons square off Sunday at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Never been to that place. That's right. Looking forward to it. Called the lady down there that's the head of IT to kind of give us a lay of the land so that we can load in and load out because we're flying with the team and they will leave us since uh, radio <laughs> is not not important at all um but yeah i'm looking forward to it and you know both teams one and two backs against the wall somebody's going to finish this thing with a win and be 500 out of september and somebody unfortunately is going to be one and three it's going to be an interesting matchup well absolutely and it's similar to what the titans faced on thursday night against jacksonville um, it's a team with an equally high sense of urgency that the Titans have right now. Anytime you go on the road in the NFL, it's tough to get a win, but especially when you're going up a team as desperate as Atlanta is in the same spot as the Titans right now, um, how tough is that to match that sense of urgency and match the intensity on the road against a team in Atlanta that really needs a win based on how they've looked in the past couple of weeks. Well, I think you don't worry about them. You worry about what you can do and then trying to prevent what they can do on the field. I mean, them at home, uh, that's a dangerous opponent. They are really good at home, but, you know, through the Georgia Dome's history and and the early history of Mercedes-Benz, they've done real well there. So anytime you go into a road environment, but Coach Dave McGinnis will tell you, you can feed off of that energy just like they are at, with that home crowd, with that noise and stuff, and and channel it into you know executing uh, you know some some pretty fierce plays. Um, it just remains to be seen. And you mentioned you know Matt Ryan, who was kind of a Jekyll and Hyde first and second half in Indianapolis on Sunday. I think he was seven of eleven for eighty-eight yards, uh, threw a pick, no touchdowns, and then was twenty-two of twenty-three, two hundred nineteen yards, three scores, no picks. It still came up short, but he was just able to get in a rhythm and just sling it everywhere. And, you know, the 12th-year guy is is uh, one of the top-flight quarterbacks in the league, and he has plenty of weapons at his disposal. And so, you know, I, they're, the Titans' defense is going to have its hands full, both with uh, their run defense, which has been good except for giving up big chunk yardage plays like they've done the last couple of games, and, and certainly in pass defense. And I think that's what this Dean P secondary is built for, is to try to go up against a Julio Jones, Muhammad Sanu, and and Calvin Ridley. But I tell you, the guy that keeps me up at night is the tight end, Austin Hooper, yeah. pro bowler, coached by Mike Malarkey, the That's former right. head coach of the Titans. 19 catches already on the season. Wow. Third among tight ends in the, in the NFL right now. Had two scores Sunday. Uh, dangerous prospect who can find the end zone. So uh, Dean Pease is probably got his work cut out for him, but I'm sure he's got a plan. Right in our opening segment here, we talked about creating a culture of finding new ways to win instead of a new way to lose. Uh, kind of shedding the here we go again idea of of the Titans' history against Indianapolis and the Titans' inconsistency in following up a good performance uh, within an even better one, um, like they were unable to do with Cleveland uh, and then going up against Indianapolis. Um, uh, but the biggest takeaway I have from that is at the quarterback position, the margin for error for Marcus Mariota right now is razor thin because he's a good enough quarterback to win you some games in the NFL, but when he's not on and when that offensive line is not on, I wouldn't even say it minimizes. It completely eliminates the margin for error for this Titans defense. How big of a challenge do they have 
in continuing to pick up this offense and, and finding a way to, to force a couple of giveaways, force a couple of big plays, because it feels like it's going to take a fumble in plus territory, a, a big punt return, special teams, something to help the offense. offense get over the, the hump. Yeah, and that's a good point. You're talking about a team, you know, with the offensive line that had its plenty of woes on Thursday night in Jacksonville, what will be almost 10 days ago since they played between the self-inflicted stuff with the offside penalties and holding and, and then the lack of protection with, you know, all the quarterback sacks on Marcus. And it, it, I say it all the time, but you can carve up the blame pie however you want. But between Marcus holding on to the ball too long in some occasions and then, you know, the pass rush of the opponent, there's got to be something there where somebody can help. I don't know what that is, but you're talking about the culture change, and you hit the nail on the head. It's consistency. And I was just talking to Coach Dave McGinnis last night on his show, Mac Talk, right here on 104.5 The Zone, about that very thing, just how hard that is because the NFL week-to-week is a moving target between the health of your 53, the difference in game plans depending on your opponent, and really, only the elite players are the ones that consistently put up a great performance every week. And I feel like those are the ones that put up great practices throughout the week and stack those things to, to get out to the right start uh, in a game situation. And, and for the Titans, you know, I think it's this simple. I think for this game, uh, it's got to be some good effort and blocking run style for those outside outside zone runs of, of Derrick Henry on first down with a, a Falcons defense only gives up 2.8 yards uh, per carry on first downs. Got to get something there. There's Somebody's got to make a play to spark. I feel like that's where the consistency comes in, whether sure. it's an Adam Humphreys moving the chains on a, you know, a, a first or second down to get you in another spot and another set of chains, Delaney Walker, whatever it is, Corey Davis. Uh, and I feel like those are what Marcus Mariota needs I feel like once he gets in a rhythm, that's where he starts to hit, as Coach Max says, ginning and, and getting that thing going and, you know, becoming more confident with each throw and, you know, just a split second of, of time and, or, you know, knowing to when to throw it out of bounds when it's done. Um, I think that's where it all starts is those little finite things and stacking practices, stacking performances, stacking wins. And that's why there's only one Tom Brady and there's only one Bill Absolutely. Belichick. I mean, they, they are really the masters of how you do all that, which is incredible in this day and age. Arthur Smith, I think this is a big game for him as, as we get to see how he adjusts with a couple of extra days of preparation. And obviously the Titans hope to get Nate Davis in there at right guard. They've had some extra time to throw him into that rotation and potentially start on that offensive line. Um, aside from that, the, the personnel change and – uh, it kind of goes along with our broader conversation of, of changing the culture of this Titans offense. Where does Arthur Smith begin to adjust and tweak this offense in your mind, going from a bad performance against a Jacksonville defense that was playing with a sense of urgency to a similarly desperate Atlanta team that's going to be hungry and, and as we talked about, is going to have a heck of an atmosphere at their backs at home. Sure, and, and they're facing a Falcons defense that is smaller, much smaller than what they faced in Jacksonville on Thursday night, uh, much akin to a Colts defense in terms of size and speed. They can get around and get things done, between whether it's Grady Jarrett up on the front there, um, certainly Vic Beasley and, and all those guys in the pass rush. Um, I think the first thing that, 
that Arthur Smith, first of all, has done is he's probably camped out at St. Thomas Sports Park to try to look. It's it's been a reevaluation of this whole thing. Going back to the drawing board, they talked about, you know, the the fundamental reminder style practice on Monday to set the week and get things going. And, you know, Coach Max tells me that, you know, there are some things you can improve on and look at and remind of. But I think it starts with the self-inflicted wounds with the penalties. I think you you have to stop that there to, you know, compound with the problems that you're having on third down conversions. And then hopefully Arthur Smith, and he told us yesterday, he consults with Coach Vrabel and, and a lot of folks on the staff about input with what the offense is evolving into or what it looks like and you know certainly it varies uh, depending upon the opponent but again i think it, it, it's back to a spark play delaney walker said it best this week he goes man we just have to make a play mm-hmm. and then another play and keep moving and then we have to make a play in the end zone he said i know that sounds so elementary and simple but it really comes down to a guy winning the one-on-one battles and making a play um you know whether it's a a play on a lot of those second and long, third and longs where there's a missed opportunity where it's an overthrown ball or a guy drops or whatever it is. A play and a connection has to be made. And I feel like that's just the catalyst where kind of all this stuff starts. And, again, Atlanta's in the same spot. You know, they've turned the ball over more than usual, Matt Ryan in particular. Absolutely. Minus four in giveaway, takeaway going into this one. Titans in, uh, near the top of the league at plus four in this mm. thing. So I feel like there's something that the defense can take advantage of, to your point about a spark from another phase of the team to help the offense get over. And we've learned today that Kenyon Barner, their punt and kick returner, with a knee and a concussion has been ruled out. And I have poured through the Falcons stuff, and I cannot see on a depth chart who the next guy is. I, I would think it's Muhammad Sanu, at least on kick returns. But that's going to change some things in that phase. Maybe there's a, a matchup disadvantage there that, you know, favors the Titans. But you're right. They're going to Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Those people get loud in there. The roof reportedly is going to be closed, so it will hold that noise. And uh, they're going to have to – you know, guard against giving up those big chunk plays both on the ground and aerially. And really the best way to do all that is to stay on the field as an offense to keep those other dudes off, you know. Brent Bryan of Titans Radio has been my guest here on The Big Six. You can hear Titans Radio coverage this Sunday from Atlanta as the Titans look to get back to 2-2 two and two and get back on the right foot uh, as the season continues. Brent, we appreciate the time. Glad to do it. Big Six, final segment. Coming up here, I'm going to go on my old man baseball rant of the day. You're going to enjoy it. We'll wrap things up. Coming up next. Jump. Final segment for me here tonight on the Big Six. Got to have you with us on a Friday night. Sitting in for Jason Martin. My name is Will Bowling. Thankful to be in this seat. Grateful for the opportunity to talk with you all. Heading into the weekend and heading into... Big night of football. Previewed a little bit of high school football with Murphy Fair with Tom Duggan earlier in the show. Some college games tonight as well. Interesting. I I still haven't been able to get used to this. Right? Uh, Friday nights. Friday night lights. Come on. Penn State, Maryland. Fox Sports won tonight. Uh, Penn State has looked great. They've looked terrible at times. Uh, It's a Maryland team that put up uh, hundreds of points. I think they're still scoring against Syracuse. 
a couple of weeks ago, but but Maryland has then uh, had some shaky performances this season as well. That's going to be an interesting one later tonight. Uh, love a good Pac-12 after dark, especially love it on a Friday. Arizona State at Cal, uh, number 15, California. Tell you what, that is a, uh, a surprising ranking to see in front of the Golden Bears who have righted the ship in a hurry. They're undefeated. Uh, linebacker Evan Weaver, got a ton of tackles. He's... Uh, worth the price of attendance. He's worth tuning into that one uh, tonight on ESPN. Uh, Virginia Notre Dame, an interesting one on Saturday. That's an NBC kick, middle of the day. Um, how good is this Notre Dame team? Uh, I think that's a good question at this point. Is uh, we start to learn more about teams and figure out who's for real, uh, who's not, and of course the barometer for a team like Notre Dame is always going to be playing their SEC foes, playing at Georgia, especially in this area of the country. But I was impressed by Ian Book. Stood in there, took a lot of hits from the Georgia defensive line, uh, got the ball out well. And Notre Dame's defense tackling an open space, I I was very surprised to see the level of athleticism uh, and the ability of that fighting Irish defense to hang with Georgia. If you're a Tennessee fan, though, you're going to enjoy the off day. The Vols will have as much time as they could possibly want. Uh, you can never have enough time, though, to, to, to prepare for Georgia. Kirby Smart also has a bye week getting ready for the Vols coming up next Saturday night in what's going to be just uh, a, an interesting atmosphere, to say the least, with a lot of red, probably more red than there's ever been in Neyland Stadium coming up next Saturday. But if you're a fan of Tennessee and you're taking this weekend off from football, you might be like me taking solace in the Atlanta Braves, right? That's something that the SEC bonds over, something Tennessee fans and Georgia fans have in common. Atlanta Braves are absolutely on a roll. They'll finish up with the New York Mets. I say on a roll. They they haven't been great the past couple of weeks. But they've got a one through four in that lineup. Ronald Acuna, Ozzy Albies, Freddie Freeman and Josh Donaldson. That is as good as anybody's one through four in Major League Baseball. It's going to be fun watching them. I've gotten my hopes way too high, way too high about how good my Braves can be in these playoffs. I know I I share that with Jason Martin, another another Atlanta Braves fan. Uh, My goodness, we'll, we'll, we'll hope for the best. But interesting series, though, this weekend with a Mets team eliminated from playoff contention Wednesday. But Pete Alonso continues to be One of these stories in Major League Baseball this year. It's his 51st home run on Wednesday. His next home run will tie the rookie record set by Aaron Judge back in 2017. Lonzo's already got the Mets single season record, surpassing the mark held by Todd Hundley and Carlos Beltran at 51. Incredible. But I'll tell you what, if you're a Major League hitter not setting home run records, in this, the 2019 season, you're doing something wrong. And I've spoken about this on my podcast here on the 104.5 The Zone Podcast Network, The Strike Zone. You can check it out wherever you find all of these 104.5 The Zone podcasts. About the unfair advantage that's being given to hitters this year. Uh, Unfair doesn't even begin to name it. It's a juiced baseball that's flying completely differently than, than anything else that has been thrown at hitters over the years in a game that has so much tradition and so much history. 
An ESPN Sports Science and 538 article estimates that the new baseball from Rawlings that's been thrown out there for the past two years now, two or three years, make it make it three, two years in AAA, three years in the majors, is flying nine feet further every time it goes in the year on average because the ball is less dense and has a change in drag with a smaller, slicker baseball with lower seams. It's hard to quantify exactly how much lower or how different this baseball is, but we know that home runs are up 25%, right? The Braves two weeks ago set their home run record as a franchise. They did it. The Minnesota Twins have set the single season record in early September. Uh, Of course, two or three weeks ago, I think it was still August, right, that Major League Baseball as a league set a league home run record. I mean, it's absolutely astounding what these hitters have been able to do. And something has to change. We've seen this throughout the history of baseball, right? Back in the the 70s, the 80s, there was a ball that had to be changed, a mound that was lowered at one point and and raised up, right? Baseball has to adapt in order uh, to keep the integrity of a game with more history, more tradition than anything else in this country. So, Pete Alonso, you've had a great year, but my oh my. He is going to benefit from a juiced baseball, and it's a shame for Mike Soroka, the Braves ace, who's been just absolutely insane this year. An ERA on the road of 1.4, which leads all major league pitchers. He's been the Braves ace, their leader this year, at 22 years of age. Right? It's a shame he's going to miss out on the rookie of the year because Pete Alonso gets to hit a juiced baseball. That's going to do it for us here on the Big Six on 104.5 The Zone. This has been so fun for me. Grateful again, thankful for those of you who sat here, listened in, whether you're sitting in traffic or on your way to your high school football team's games tonight. Hope they show you a good show. Friday Night Lights, enjoy it. There's nothing better. I'll be out at Springfield as Marshall County takes on the Yellow Jackets of Springfield High School for the TN High School Football Game of the Week. You can hear parts of that as well right here on 104.5 The Zone. But... I'll sign off for now. Thanks for joining us. Chad Withrow coming up next with Friday Night High School football coverage on 104.5 The Zone. Thanks so much. We'll see you later.